Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Talking about this morning, activating grace by faith. And it was just heavy on my heart. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, but the Lord kind of showed me that we're hitting a certain group of people on Wednesday night, but there's a whole lot more here on the Sunday morning to share some of these blessed truths with you. So um, let me just start with this introduction. Have you ever gone to a commencement exercise? Anyone? I've been to many over 40 years uh, being here and also with young people that are graduating, all that. And I never went to one where... I had the speaker or even the school say, for those of you that want to succeed, you're in group here, A. And those that want to fail, you're over here on this side. So we're going to have a speaker that's going to teach the keys to success to this group and the keys to failure to this group. You know, keys to failure. Like, um, don't have any goals. Establish no priorities. And by all means, maximize pride. Because pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, and you're guaranteed to fail if you'll just maximize your pride level. And then the list goes on, certain other things that they could possibly do, like just uh, be contentional, you know, always be someone that's hard to get along with. Make sure that you're unsubmissive, don't submit to, submit to anybody in any way. See to it that um, you're unfocused as well. And by all means, be lazy. Be as lazy as you possibly can. Major in laziness. And then, one of the most important things, study your past failures and see if you can improve on them. Get more successful at failure. I never went to a commencement exercise like that. Did you? Am I to believe that all these speakers assume that everybody wants to succeed? I guess so. Because I only heard motivational speeches that would encourage them to succeed and reach for their dreams and so on, right? Absolutely. You don't see those two groups. Well, when Israel came out of Egypt, there were two groups. The first generation group under Moses failed to enter into the promised land. Study it out, you'll see why. But the key word, unbelief. Look at Hebrews 3.19. The key word, unbelief. So we see that they could not enter in. Why? Because of what? Notice this. One word he uses to define their reason for failure. Of all the things that they did wrong, when they came out, they murmured, they complained, and then in the wilderness, they built a molten calf and committed idolatry and adultery. And the list goes on and on of all the different things that they did. But he uses one word to describe it and define it. And what's that word? Unbelief. They couldn't enter in the promised land due to unbelief. And it's all encapsulated encapsulated in that one word, unbelief. But then the key verse, this will get you. Numbers 14, 28. The key Bible verse. Say unto them, as truly as I live saith the Lord. As truly as I live, saith whom? The Lord, 
Well, what are you saying, Lord? As you have spoken in mine ears. As you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do unto you. Think that one through for a while. As you have spoken in mine ears, that's what I'm going to do to you. Remember Jesus said, by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. You know those that criticize the teaching, you know, you can have what you say, but it's a shallow perception of what it means that you can have what you say. What do you do with that scripture? As you have spoken, that's what I'm going to do to you. Should that make us stop and think about the words we speak? Death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. And so it's important that we recognize that they got exactly what they said. That was group A, the first group, under the leadership of Moses who failed to get into the promised land. Unbelief, as they spoke in the ears of God, that's what they got. Number two, the second group, is the group that was raised up or reared up under Joshua. They succeeded to get into the promised land. And they succeeded, and what's the word? The key word? The key word is faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encompassed about seven days. What are the key Bible verses? Well, Joshua chapter 14. Uh, look at verse 7. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. What did Caleb do? He brought back word as it was in his heart. And look at Numbers 14, 28 again. We could say the same thing. Saying to them, as true as I live, saith, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. So you can see it works both in the positive and the negative. The first group were kept out as they spoke in his ears. But Caleb and Joshua and the others got in. Why? Because as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Words are powerful containers of life or death. And when we align ourselves with what God said, and we echo what God said, we declare and decree what God said, we have his attention, and he himself will see to it then that we get in or succeed in experiencing the full blessings. Okay, now we got them in the promised land. What kept them out? Unbelief. What got them in? Faith. Now that they're in the promised land, okay, now look at something. Joshua in the promised land had two groups to deal with. Look at Joshua chapter 18, the first three verses. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Notice the word, they haven't received it. And Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go possess the land which the Lord your God, the Lord God of your fathers, hath given you? Were they given the land? Did they possess the land? And they were slack, slothful, they were lazy. In other words, we have two groups here. One group received their inheritance. The other group did not as of yet. So the five that did represent 42% of the people experienced the blessings of their inheritance. 
But 58%, seven tribes, did not experience their inheritance. Now, it was given to them. It was already theirs. But they were slack. They were lazy. They were pessimistic. They were negative. And even though they got in by faith, they didn't continue in their faith to once again receive the fullness of the blessings that were theirs to enjoy. And we're talking about a beautiful land, a land of promise, a land where God says, I'll be an enemy to your enemies. I'll be an adversary to your adversaries. I'll bless you when you're coming in. I'll bless you when you're going out. I'll take sickness and disease away from the midst of you. The number of your days I will fulfill. And he goes on to say all these wonderful blessings. I'll give you lands that you didn't had anything to do with. I will give you trees and olive gardens that you haven't planted. I'm going to give you wells that you have not digged or dug. And it's all going to be yours in that wonderful place. But they failed to possess what was theirs. So was it God's fault that they didn't possess it? Because God already gave it to them, right? It was up to them to possess it. And how were they going to possess it? By faith. By using their faith. But they failed to do that. Well, the application for us today. Number one. Christ is our promised land. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? He is the promised land for believers today. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 we are told... If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become brand new. Notice the language here. Are you in Christ? You're a new creature. In other words, there was a before of you and now there's an after. A before and an after. Before Christ and after Christ. Now think about life before Christ. Before Christ. You ever notice some of these, sometimes they advertise like these creams and all these different things they want to show you on TV about this can help your complexion, this can help you with this and with that. You ever see the before and the after pictures? And the woman that they show in the before picture, her hair's all ratty. No war paint on. The dress comes from the 19, early 1900s. And she's just standing there with a scowl on her face. And then the after. Someone did her hair, the war paints on, she's got the most modern dress that she could possibly wear, and she looks really good. The before and the after, right? Well, the before, we were in Christ, we looked like this, we acted like this, we behaved like this, we talked like this, we were probably negative, we were probably complainers, murmur, I'm just like the first group. But the after, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You are his masterpiece now. You're an heir of the Most High God. There's royal blood flowing through your veins. And we can go on and just talk about all of who we are and what we have in Christ. Which is why we say it every time we gather together. I am what the Word says I am. I have what the Word says I have. I can do what the Word says I can do and so on. Why do we do that? Because we need to remind ourselves who we are in Christ and what we have in Him. Number two, we have an inheritance. And our inheritance, just like they did, is in Christ. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. We all have been left an inheritance. But the thing is, have we possessed it? 
Is it a reality to us? Are we experiencing it? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Notice, in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. If I were to just call you out and just say someone just gave me a note here and said that your, your great, 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 great aunt just uh, passed away and left you a million dollars. Would you just sit there and look at me like, thanks for the news. You'd be shouting from the mountaintops, right? You and I have an inheritance in Christ. We've obtained inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of, his, of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. So you and I have an inheritance among the saints in life. And guess what? We've all inherited the same thing. Praise God. Thanks be to God, we've inherited the right to make heaven our home with the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost forever. You know in the Jewish community, they don't teach heaven much? Do you know that among those that practice Judaism, that heaven is really not something that they even major on? In, in, in some cases, they don't even believe in. Did you know that? It's the truth. Look it up. You'll see. No, they believe, do you remember when the, the disciples went to Jesus and said before he ascended on high, is it now time for you to give the kingdom to Israel? And what did he say? It's not for you to know the time of the seasons, right? Why do you think they were focusing on that? Number one, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, so how can they believe in heaven? And that's why they were Sadducees, we have to always say that. The Pharisees did not major on heaven. What they majored on was an earthly kingdom and how they could have national prominence on the earth. That's what they believed in. That's what they focused on and all that. That's why they were fair, you see. <laughs> Sorry. That's my father in me. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm going to get it for that one. But they didn't major in that. But you and I... Well, think about it. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe he conquered death, hell, and the grave. They don't believe he was raised up from the dead. They don't believe he ascended on high into heaven. So their focus and attention is on the earth. And what they want is national prominence. What they want is to be respected on the earth. In the earth, they expected him to rise up as a world leader king where he was going to lead them down the path of victory here upon the earth. And you know what? That will happen when he comes again, but not now. And by the way, we'll be coming with him in glory. But we have an inheritance, and that inheritance is in Christ. And we all have it. Next, it's up to us to realize it takes faith for us to possess what God has already given us, just like it took faith for them to possess the promised land and experience the blessings of the promised land and experience their inheritance. It takes faith for us to do the same thing. Even though we're in Christ and God has given us everything that we need for success in every department of our being, it will not materialize just because he gave it to us. Just because we have it, let's just say, in spirit. For it to manifest in our lives, in the flesh, it's got to flow through the renewed mind by faith. Now, if you recall when God made man in the very beginning, he did not make man first and put him on the planet and just say, wonder what his needs might be. Let me see, he might need uh, 
you know, some minerals. He might need some water. He wasn't puzzled. He put every resource in the earth on it and in it that man would need for success in life. But guess what? Even though it's here on the planet, if you don't go get it, it's not going to be yours. You're not going to enjoy it. Did you know that electricity was here long before Ben Franklin? All the resources we have on this earth have always been here. Oil's always been in the ground. Gas has always been there, etc., etc. Man had to do his part to either tap into it, harness it, and vitally use it for his own well-being. And trust me, in the day in which we live, especially when it was like below zero all those days, aren't you glad for electricity? Aren't you glad that you had some heat in your house? It was always there. When there was a gold rush over in California, the gold rush, guess what? You couldn't go get it if it wasn't there. Who put it there? God put it there. Was it there all that time? And the only ones that got it were the ones that went after it to possess it. Am I right? So I want you to think that through. Because even though we're in Christ, and in Him we have been given all things, it's all ours. It's up to us to possess it by faith and make it a reality in our lives. We got to be like the second group, the Joshua generation, that says, this belongs to me and I'm taking it by force. So whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, God is saying, I have already given you every resource that you need for success in all these areas of your life. But it takes faith in order for you to manifest it. Okay? And that's bringing us to our title. We access these graces by faith. Look in the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 2. It's up to us to use our faith to activate what we already have, not what we're trying to get God to do for us. This is the language of faith that is extremely confusing. Why? Because it really involves a sixth sense. In Romans 5 verse 2, by whom also, this is Christ, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How do we access grace? By faith. So, God has given us everything that we need for our success. We already have it in us. We're like the ragu bottle of um, sauce. It's in there. It's in there. What do you need? It's in there. It's in there. You've got it. We're thinking along the lines of we got to get God to do something for us but you know what he says I've already done it all you have to do is access it by faith faith then accesses the grace wherein we stand don't they here what good would it do for him to say when are you going to give me your bible he can sit there all day long when you, how foolish would he be to say, Dad, when are you going to give me your Bible? Come on, Dad, I'm waiting for you to give me your Bible. Would you please give me your Bible? Please, I want your Bible so badly. Dad, give me the Bible, give me the Bible. Give me, please. All right, let's take it to another level. When are you going to heal me, Lord? When are you going to heal me, Lord? When are you going to deliver me, Lord? When are you going to help me, Lord? When are you going to strengthen me, Lord? Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I need it. It's not happening. I don't feel it. It's not happening. 
He's up there going. He already has. <laughs> All right, Aaron, you got it, buddy. I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> He's up there saying, I already did, I already did, I already did, I already did. You already have it, you already have it, you already have it. You've got it in your hand. This is why it's difficult for us to, to understand this because we operate in the realm of the five senses. And because of that, it goes beyond our human reasoning. How do we operate in this thing called faith? I've already got it, but I'm asking him for it. And so he is saying, don't start from, I'm trying to get what I need. Start from this position. I already have it. Now, devil, get your hands off of me, off of my inheritance, because it's mine now. I have redemption. I have healing. I have deliverance. I have emotional wholeness. I already have, and make that list as long, I need strength. I have strength. You are the strength of my life. Can you see the difference between the two? We're trying to get God to do something that he's already done, and he's getting kind of confused. So grace is God's part. Faith is our part. The grace has been provided for all of us. God always makes the provision before the need ever arises. That's why there's every resource in the earth. He made the provision for man before he ever made the man. So it's already there. We already have everything in us in Christ that is our inheritance to enjoy. But to activate it, I have to acknowledge it and understand the battle of you could say the, sense, the tenses. I'm asking him to give it to me. He's saying, you already have it. And that's where the confusion lies. So when we talk about walking by faith, we can quote the scripture, not by what? Sight. That's what that means. I'm walking by faith that I have something that I don't see yet. That sounds weird, doesn't it? I have what I don't see. Well, do you have Jesus as your savior? Do you see him yet? No. Did you know grace alone can't save you? Look at Ephesians 2 and verse 8. Grace alone cannot save anyone. If that were the case, everyone on the planet would be saved. Because God's saving grace has appeared to all men. But not all men have embraced it by faith. For by grace are you saved. If it would have stopped right there, we'd all have it made. But notice the next two words. Through faith. How do we access the grace that saves? Through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So in other words, what he is saying is, God's part is to provide the grace. Our part is to access it by faith, by believing in our heart and saying with our mouth. Now notice how this goes back to Numbers 14, 28. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Well, how, how did you speak in the ears of God when you made Jesus your Savior? You said, I believe that I cannot be saved on my own. I dedicate myself to the living God who saved me by His grace. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Savior. I make you my Lord. What, what does Romans 10, 10 tell us? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believes to righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So notice it was your heart and your mouth that was engaged or involved in accessing grace by faith. 
And so whatever our need might be, that's exactly what he wants us to do for it to become a reality. Now notice, every provision in Christ, it's already there, it belongs to us, but it's accessed by faith. Look at Hebrews chapter uh, 4, verses 1 and 2. Because the warning is given to us, just like it was given to all them. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it, just like the first group did. For unto us was the gospel priest as well as unto them. But the word priest did not profit or benefit them, not being mixed with what? Faith in them that heard it. See, our faith is in understanding that we have an inheritance. The inheritance is in Christ. Everything we need for our success spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, socially, and whatever, it's all there in Christ. And we already have it in the mind of God. The better way to understand this is this. We're a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body. And because we're a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body, we touch three rounds. Spiritual, emotional, and the physical. And so in spirit, we have all these things. We've been given all these things. It's our inheritance in Christ. It's all there on the inside of us. But for it to manifest in the natural world that we live in, that we touch, it's got to get through a renewed mind. And the mind's got to be renewed to the Word of God so we can be educated to know what we have and who we are in Christ so that we can agree with the Word of God and agree with what God has done in us. And as we declare it and decree it, it materializes in the natural world that we live in. It will manifest. And again, I, re I realize it's hard for people, it's hard for all of us to understand. But you know what? Just because it's hard to understand doesn't mean it's not true. Anybody here ever study algebra? Anybody here enjoy it? Have you been using it ever since you graduated from high school or college? Or do you pull out your phone and your uh, calculator and just say, have at it? Right? I used to sit in class there and there would be those around me just say, how can you understand that? I, get, I got straight A's and all this, calculus and all that stuff. Now, I'd be hard-pressed to do it right now. But back then, I knew the formulas, I knew the laws, and I knew how to apply them and all that. And I said, well, there's nothing, piece of cake. And everybody just go, pi squared? What, what are you talking about? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. What are you, what, what are you talking about? This is square enough. <laughs> Seriously? I said, it's simple. A squared, B squared, plus B squared equals C squared. It's just a formula. Right? Well, faith is the same way. Understanding is the same principle. We, it doesn't, it's not governed by natural laws. It's a spiritual law. God's ways are higher than our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he says, my word won't return to me void. It'll accomplish that which I please, prosper in the thing whereto I send it. So if you'll take the word of God, act upon the word of God, even though you don't see it happening right now, it may not make sense. It may be illogical. But for you to say, for example, my needs are met when your checkbook says, dusty. Nothing there. But my God supplies all my need. I don't understand that language. How can I understand that? How can that be, become a reality? How does that materialize? I believe my God supplies all my need. Guess what? You are now hooking up with the financier of heaven. And you're not agreeing with what your paper says here on earth. He's not going to manufacture the money, but he's going to cause it to come your way in various ways. He can get you a better job. He can get you a higher paying job. He can move upon people's hearts to help you and, and to bless you financially, whatever it might be. But the point is, how can I be saying my needs are met when it looks like I can't pay my bills? Because you're joining yourself together with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, your provider, and you are doing what he said to do. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Under the first leadership, Moses, you know what they talked about? You brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to die. We're going to die. Our kids are going to die. Our wives are going to die. We have nothing to eat. We have nothing to drink. What are we going to do now? They're coming after us. They're going to chase us. Oh, Moses, you brought us out here to die. They were a bunch of rebels, and we know all that. Korah and his family all were consumed in the earth and all that because they rebelled against leadership and everything. And they complained and complained and complained and complained and complained. Finally, God says, as you spoke in my ears, that's what you get. What did Caleb say? We're well able to take the land. What did Joshua say? They're bread for us. Same scenario, same situation, different perspective and different attitude. And so they spoke the word of God. They agreed with God, even though it was against any kind of head knowledge, sense knowledge and any kind of logic whatsoever. Think about it. Walk around the walls one day, one time, blowing the shofar. Do it again the second day. Do it again the third day. Do it again the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, and then on the seventh day, make sure you do it seven times and keep on blowing the shofar. And But when we say to shout, then you shout. That's your strategy, Joshua? Really? Really? You're on fire today, Aaron. <laughs> Let's do it, he said. You're, we're hooking up with God when we do it his way. Lord, you said for me to speak to that mountain. I told you I read an article recently. And, you know, we all mean well. Preachers or writers or whatever. And I, the, the, it was a nice article about faith until I got to the point where he said, Faith is taking your mountain to God. And I said, uh-uh. That's not what the word says. The word says to speak to your mountain, not take it to God. Tell it to move. Speak to the tree. Tell it to be uprooted and planted in the sea. That's what we're told to do and it would obey you. And then in Matthew 17, 20, what he said, and then nothing will be impossible to you. Isn't it something that the devil has really blinded so many people's minds to this message that they're deceived, not realizing that God revealed a means by which all things are possible to us, but it involves the heart and the mouth of an individual. He said, if you believe in your heart, that when you tell that mountain to remove, it will obey you, and nothing will be impossible unto you. And what does he do? He says, oh, you're a bunch of the fanatics. Those crazy faith fanatics. Oh, I'd rather be a crazy doubter and unbeliever. Really? Really? That would you rather be? Come on, pastor. Preach some more doubt and unbelief, man. Feed us well. Seriously. I don't know what they're thinking. Those leaders died by the plague. They plague it out their tongues and jaws and their bellies, which is their heart and their mouth, because they taught the people unbelief. And God was not happy with those leaders. They died instantly by the plague. Brother, sister, I'm going to teach faith no matter what. Until I move off into glory, I'm going to teach faith from this pulpit and let people know that we can have what God says we have because He's already made provision for us. It's up to us to align ourselves with it and proclaim it boldly in faith. Okay, look at um, John 14, 27 for an example. If we need deliverance, provision, protection, peace, joy, healing, all these things are in us and they're waiting to be released from the inside to get to the outside, which is when Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, remember that? All right. 
In John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, my peace I give unto you, my peace I give unto you. Well, did he do that? In Galatians, are we told we have, by the Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faithfulness, right? So we have peace, right? And where is that peace? I've given you my peace. It's in you that the world can't give and the world can't take away, by the way. So let not your heart, don't you let your heart be troubled and neither let your heart be afraid. So do you need peace this morning? Do we need peace this morning? It's part of our inheritance. But to say you're not experiencing peace this morning. You're not walking in peace. Maybe you're anxious this morning. Maybe you're emotionally disturbed this morning. Guess what? You have an inheritance. It is within your being. I'm not one of those preachers that says you got to get her to the altar so I can pray for you to make me look good. I don't believe in that. The altar is not a place for me to get you. When I first got saved, came out of this one denomination, went to the full gospel church, I'll tell you what. My head spun. Every service they were at the altar on knees crying. I'm like, I thought there was something wrong with me. I'm happy. I'm joyful. I'm shouting the victory. Praise God. I'm walking in the fullness of my redemptive rights. I'm shouting and praising and worshiping God. I get to church. By the time I leave, I'm like, oh man. The preacher's preaching of all the people that aren't there in church. So and so went on a picnic today. Shows you where their commitment's at. I'm, I'm going, I'm here. I'm here. Talk to me. I'm here. Don't talk about people who aren't here. Shout the praises of God and thank God for those who are there. You see what I'm talking about? And so I, I thought there was something wrong with me. I would walk in feeling I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. In Him I live and move and have my being. And greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. By the time I got done, I'd walk out like, you scumbag you. browbeat guilt condemnation focusing on my flesh your flesh if i focused on all of our flesh we'd all have our heads hung down right right finally i put two and two together and got four i see it now you don't know you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You don't know you've been delivered from the powers of darkness. You don't know greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And so you think you've got to come to the altar and cry yourself out until something happens for the moment. And then guess, do it again next week. No, not even next week, Thursday. That was Sunday, Thursday. I started feeling guilty for feeling so good. So redeemed, so delivered. And I thought, there's something wrong with me. These people have to all be right. The altar should be used for you to come in a prayer of agreement and say, agree with me that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Agree with me, I have peace of mind. So if you want peace, if you want joy, you feel, it's already there. Okay, and here's what he said. I've given you my peace. So if he gave you, like I gave him the Bible, Lord, give me peace. Why? Why? Lord, I'm accepting that your peace is in me. I'm and as I keep my mind stayed on you, you told me you'll keep me in perfect peace. So your peace is in me. I've got love in me. I've got joy in me. I've got peace in me. I've got deliverance in me. I've got wholeness in me. I've got victory in me. I am more than a conqueror through the one. I'm possessing my land. Hallelujah. Did you see that? That's how faith works. But they criticize you for saying that and teaching that to people. Let me just do one more and forget the notes. We'll just do one more here. And then we'll just close with this. This is true. This is a true statement here. 
there are those that have paid for deliverance. And they continue paying for deliverance. And they have these big deliverance ministries. They go to certain places. And I'm talking about, in some cases, big bucks. They, play, they pay to be delivered. Okay? Wow. They sit down in a chair. They get a group over them. They cast out so many devils. And then finally they get released. Sometimes they vomit. Seriously. And all that. Okay, now they're delivered. They go back home. One week later, they got to come back. I need delivered again. They come back. They get delivered. If it goes two weeks, they're lucky. Three weeks, they're really lucky. Four weeks, but they got to come back, pay some more money, sit down in a chair, have people come around, cast out some devils. The devils come out, and now they're delivered. Oh, but it doesn't last more than a month. They got to come back again and get delivered again. Come back again. And I just said, why don't you just show them Colossians 1.13? He's already delivered you from the authority of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom you have redemption through His blood, even the remission of sins. Why don't you tell them it's free, you don't have to pay for it, and you don't have to come back? Because once you get this in your heart, get this in your mind, you will say, get thee behind me, devil. I'm free in the name of Jesus, who the Son says free is free indeed. I've been removed from your jurisdiction, and you have no power over me any longer. Sorry. Hallelujah. And by the way, I want a refund. Praise God. Let me close with this verse of Scripture in Philemon, uh, verse 6. Look at this verse, Philemon. Ver I call it Philemon Yon. It's so good. It's so good. That the communication of your faith may become effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. Where is it at? It's in us in Christ Jesus. It's already in us. It's in there. We have strength. I can do all things through Christ who strength, who infuses inner strength into me. I'm more than a conqueror through Him. I've got the victory in Him. So you see, it's acknowledging who we what we have. It's acknowledging who we are. And by faith, activating it to make it a reality. Let's all stand together before the Lord.